You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 373, we're discussing Ahsoka season finale and Loki season two. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm Ian. Ian, my friend, what a week. What a what week a for week. us. Come on. We yeah. have a season finale Insane. of Ahsoka. Just like literally, I just finished it like three and a half minutes ago. And what is it on Thursday? So the day this episode drops, we've got the Loki season two premiere. You can't ask for much more than that as a nerd, my friend. Dude, it's insane. Like the stuff that's just been coming out this last week. There was also like the only models in the building finale, which yes. which a lot of people were raving on about. And uh, the creator dropped last Friday as well, mm-hmm. man. It's insane. Like, you know, social media is just buzzing. Everyone's really positive about things and for us man it's just what a week what an absolute week and finale today was well we'll talk about that and then we got loki i mean the things that people are saying about loki already the reactions Mm -hmm. of those those first screenings it's a great time it is a great time and you know, especially as a time when there is a bit of turbulence in, in the industry with the writer strike, I believe, coming to an end here. The actor strike still carrying on. But we're starting to get some, you know, rumors and hearsay about what's coming with regards to the MCU and X-Men and the priorities that Marvel Studios and DC Studios have now that we're coming to the end of this period in which there was this big divide between the studios and the writers and the the actors and the creators and all that. And that's seemingly coming together here. So we're, we're actually in a great spot because like I said, we got Ahsoka, Loki, and then now we're coming back into what appears to be a bit more normalcy in and around there. We haven't been following it super closely. And so I don't know quite the details, but it does look like the writers are coming back. And what that means is for all of these franchises, especially these two shows, the Mm. important thing about these two shows is that they play pivotal roles in what will eventually be on the big screen with Ahsoka playing into what will likely be heir to the empire or one of the three big movies that Dave Filoni is going to be directing on the big screen for Lucasfilm for star Wars, the not too distant future and Loki being this linchpin to the multiverse saga story leading into what will be Kang dynasty and Avengers secret wars down the line here in 25, 26. We got a little ways yet, but these two shows it's, it's quite coincidental and quite interesting that we have such not only amazing or what appears to be amazing, but pivotal shows dropping on the same week. So man, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump straight into Ahsoka season one. We're going to kind of give our roundabout opinion of the show and then really dive into the last two episodes because it's been a while since we talked about Ahsoka. I don't even think we've talked about Thrawn yet and everything that happened in that other galaxy. So big spoiler tag right now for Ahsoka. We are going into major spoiler territory. No shackles, no nothing here for the boys here in the nerd room. But Ian, we're, we're, you just watched it a couple hours ago. I literally just watched the Ahsoka season finale. 
as a whole, we'll get into some of the details here in a few minutes, but as a whole, how are you feeling about the Dave Filoni written and part directed? We got a lot of Mando directors coming back in here, but all around, there's there's a lot to digest inside of this season, but mm-hmm. how are you feeling now that we have season one behind us? No, I'm, I'm feeling super happy. I mean, the way that this, this show has kind of unfolded, um, the connectivity that we've seen throughout the whole show is is just been great. I just love how, you know, we're having these characters really get their their time to shine, uh, and they're really developing these characters, and especially Ahsoka, like seeing where she's mm-hmm. come from, the Clone Wars, through Rebels, and, and into this show. And you know, I really like that idea of Filoni filling in these gaps now like he did the same with the animated shows but you know he's not really stepping on any toes he's not retconning anything Mm -hmm. he's filling in these gaps and he's making things that we've had we had before even better you know he's adding this depth and these these bigger stories to it um but as a whole with with ahsoka like i mean it's just been so enjoyable that the characters have been great we've been introduced to new characters which is also pretty risky um Mm -hmm. and some of those characters have become you know like almost like all-time favorites now. I'm really invested in these characters and I really want to know uh, where their stories are going to go. And yeah, from start to finish, I felt like the pacing was really good. I didn't feel like there was any real dips. You know, we had this kind of massive moment in the middle where we had the whole Anakin story and stuff. And, and, you know, you see people on social media saying that each week it's getting better and better. And it kind of did feel like that at times. You know, it's like we had this episode where we like, buzzing and loving it and it's like i can't get better than this and the next week we get this another episode like, what what is going on here this is just insane um so yeah Filoni is, is just an absolute master at storytelling i think in this universe um i really think he, he gets it and coming to the end of this 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 show you know i was expecting to get maybe a little more answers but in the end i was really happy with what i got and it gave me this kind of, you know, a lot more hope of how this is going to continue with the second season. Um, the fact that, you know, he's not going to rush through these stories and he's actually investing time in these characters and these stories that he's he's spent, you know, his, his Star Wars career building. Um, and I think, yeah, what we've got here is something actually really special. I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I don't think there's anything really bad that i can say about this show and it is up there with the best star wars content that we've ever received i think in my opinion yeah i I think you're i'm like right there with you and i think you you really nailed it when you're saying up there with some of the best star wars content we've ever gotten now i will say and i'll put this i put this caveat on every time we talk about this it is a higher barrier for entry to appreciate the reveal of ezra the reveal thrawn to a degree you had to really be invested in those characters from rebels potentially from clone wars to, to i think fully appreciate the emotional weight of what had happened in those last two episodes especially but nonetheless holy shit like <laughs> i i can't get enough of this show like I, I i've struggled like like we had a therapy session a couple weeks ago about action figure collecting like i'm hitting the couch again and saying i was really struggling with star wars for a while you know, I love the Mando and I love the idea and I, I love everything about the universe, but I just felt a little over it to a degree. I just felt like we had gotten, you know, lots of content and lots of action figures. And I was just feeling a bit worn out with Star Wars. And we had 
this nice somewhat of a break between Andor and Obi-Wan and this to me was just this wonderful palate cleanser for the universe it allowed me to get reinvested in not only a, an emotional way but in a in a hopeful way like you said where I'm really looking forward to what is coming next especially in this story Mm-hmm. I think this is the single best season of live action Star Wars for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mando stuff is great. Mando season two is awesome. There's some pretty epic stuff in there with Luke and everything. But I think holistically, I was the most invested in this season, bar none. Yeah. And of, of, of TV. And so that has me excited for what the future holds. And I think let's go, let's go to Thrawn here. I think they played Thrawn just beautifully in this series he you get enough of what he's about he's very much about the thinking things through and he's very methodical and you get this imposing i'm gonna use this term like thanos like feel to him where he he's always at arm's reach he never really gets super close to any of our protagonists Mm -hmm. and he just seems so menacing so in control all the time and I think that was a big risk with Thrawn here and him being what appears to be a big bad for the films going forward or potentially another season. They set him up in a way that I think was just masterfully executed. Like I, I found him to be so menacing, so imposing and a villain that is going to stand shoulder to shoulder with what we've had in the past with the emperor and, and Vader, you needed someone that had a real presence and he is that, how did you feel about Thrawn? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the, you know, the, the word presence is, is definitely key there. Like he does have a presence, you know, just him stepping onto the screen. Again, I do think people who have a little bit of back knowledge of him and, and Mm -hmm. seeing that the rebels, um, would probably appreciate it a little bit more. I have seen people online saying that he never felt like a big bad or he hasn't felt like a big bad yet. Um, Mm. And I didn't really get that. I think for me, the great thing with Thrawn is he is a bit like a Thanos in the way that Thanos often stood back and he didn't get involved all of the time until, you know, the, the later movies. And, you know, in actually the animated um, show that we have seen Thorne, he is actually quite good at kind of martial arts and stuff, but we don't see any of that here. You know, he is the, the, the character that we see in his prime where he's like this strategist, where he plans everything. He's one step mm-hmm. ahead of everyone, you know, more than one step ahead of everyone. And I felt like, especially with this finale, with this last episode, they really did touch on that because you actually see him planning each step. You know, he's allowing things to happen on purpose. And you think like, you know, why doesn't he just like do this? You know, why doesn't he just like send all the TIE fighters at once? You know, why doesn't he just send every single Stormtrooper? Um, and the thing is, he he doesn't need to. He, he, he wants to have minimal casualties. You know, he actually yeah. doesn't like it when the Stormtroopers are dying. He adds them to a list, he says in this episode, like, you know, he's um, trying to have minimal casualties. He's trying to execute things in a way that in the end, no matter what, he'll be successful. And I think that's what's great with this episode was, you know, they were so close. But in the end, he he was triumphant. He he gets away and he's he knew all along that that was that was going to be the way, like because he was so far ahead of them, because he was planning mm. things. And I think that's such a great character. It's so interesting. You know, he's 
actually a very clever villain and he's not someone who's just about shooting lasers out of his fingertips he's someone who uses his knowledge and his brain and his strategy to to be the winner in overall in the end and you know i think that was it was a great casting choice to bring back um Mickelson, what's I forgot his first Lars Lars Mickelson, um, just his voice, and yeah, he just looked great. He just looked incredible. I mean, I don't mm. know if he is that tall in real life, but like he's just towers above people, and he just stands there staring with his red eyes. And I'm like, this mm-hmm. guy is this guy is a villain. This is how you add a villain to Star Wars. So yeah, again, yeah. like like you said, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and I don't think he was ever meant to be this in-your-face villain that becomes an endgame Thanos, right? Like, if you look at the very first part of Infinity War, most of Infinity War, and I love this this kind of parallel because, of course, I love uh, the MCU, but there's a moment in Infinity War when Thanos takes off all his armor, mm-hmm. and he essentially, he's too powerful, he doesn't need it and all this, but he goes at things in a very tactical way, and I get, I'm getting a lot of that, and I think this slow burn to Thrawn is very appropriate. Well, they, they do. Be- they do have a re- like touching. Like, they do have one line in in this episode, which is great. Where you know they, um, Morgan says that you. She goes, the stormtroopers. You know they're gonna sacrifice themselves for you, mm-hmm. and then he looks and he's like, it's not for me. He's like, you know, it's not for me. It's for the Empire, and I think yeah. that's a great thing with him. Like like you said, he isn't supposed to be the end game villain everything he's actually doing is for the empire you know he's doing things for the emperor um and that's another great thing about him he isn't supposed to be your your big bad um but he is just so menacing in a way and invested in the cause like he truly believes in the empire and the proliferation of that and the success of that and that's why he is going to be i think such a great villain and my guess is he he goes several movies. I don't think he's a one and done villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, he needs to. They need to build slow build. You know, they've been talking. They talked about him in Mando season two, I think season three, and this the rumors of him returning. I don't really know where Mando season three fits in this timeline. If this is happening actually before it, but I just absolutely adore. Thrawn like he's, he is the big bad but ultimately... yeah, I think this, this has to be happening around the same time because when there was that court hearing um they they mentioned the the uh, Gideon on Mandalore uh and I, so I think Ahsoka probably comes slightly slightly after that and again that's another great thing I think with this just that you have these kind of shows running concurrently um and building up to something and as you said like I think that's a really good point i never really thought about that before but i do think thrawn is someone who's around going to be around for quite a while because you know they are bridging that gap between the original 30 years yeah years but that's it yeah and we got to leap like we i think that's a big thing you know a lot of people ask where did the the first order come from and you know how did they rise to power again i think thrawn's gonna be the big player in 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 all of that you know he's gonna be someone who is the kind of catalyst to the you know the coming back of of the empire in the form of the first order Mm -hmm. i I, and i think that star wars fans who are sitting on the periphery of this are going to 
have an absolute riot with what they're able to construct, I think, between now and essentially the rise of the First Order and how all this fits in. The, the, the books from the 90s, the, the stories that we've been wanting to be told for 30 years are, I think, going to come to fruition in some form. And given where we landed at the end of this episode or episode end of the season, it very much tells us that there's a, a much broader story planned to degree and and ready to to kind of cook. And I, I'm so excited for that. Now, another character that we got introduced to in the last couple episodes here or reintroduced to, I should say, is Ezra. I was pumped at the the subtlety of his reveal and how appropriate it was for the character at the end of the second to the last episode there. So Ezra's back. I um, like immediately was enthralled with this character. I was thinking to myself, I want an Ezra show now. I want Ezra to be part of like the next big steps. And I was just stoked to have him back, wielding a lightsaber, very confident in the force, a bit mm-hmm. older. They did something to his eyes to make his eyes really stand out the same way they did in in Rebels. So, like, Ezra, man, like, having him back, is it as meaningful to you as it was to me? Yeah, 100%. And I think for me, the the main thing that did it was the actor. Like... Yeah, he's great. I I actually think, like, there's been some amazing casting in this this show. Absolutely incredible. I actually think he's my favorite. Like, he's, he's... Because... You take someone like Thorne, he is the actor who plays Thorne in the animated show. So, of course, it's going to be it's going to be good. But man, like this actor, he is Ezra. Like, Uh, yes, 100 percent. It's insane. I was I was couldn't I was like there's times watching the way he talks, the way he acts, the way he looks, everything about him, Mm -hmm. the way he interacts with people. I'm like, is this just amazing acting or is this this the writing or what is it because he is probably my favorite casting in the whole the whole show and he's already like he's already like Ezra is very likable like you know I would like to have him to have his own show like him be a lead in the show you know because he is such a great presence on the on screen the way he interacts with everybody and you can just tell that people like him um, he's very kind of very much like Ezra is in the show. Uh, and yeah, just getting Ezra back and now him being such a big part of the story, I think is again, another genius idea uh, of mm-hmm. Filoni. And we kind of knew we'd get him, but the, the execution has been just fantastic. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. I, as I couldn't believe that either. Like how, how much I enjoyed Ezra on the screen. And, you know, in his, in his early days in Rebels, I wasn't like a huge fan of Ezra. I always liked him, liked his relationship with Kanan and how it was, it, it really reflected and resembled a lot of the Anakin Ahsoka relationship to a degree. And what, like you said, the casting was just so on point. Mm-hmm. And it made me, like, I think he's probably my favorite character in this, in this show. Yeah, I'm not like, surprised. Yeah. They did really great stuff with all of them, but I think Ezra just shone for me in those last two episodes. Yeah. And I think, like, I don't know if the uh, the actor, like, he's done t- such a good job. Like, you know, a lot of the kind of emotional ties to the other characters feels very believable as well. Like, in mm-hmm. this ep- episode where, you know, they're talking about the lightsabers um, and, you know, they they bring up Kanan. And he's, you know, he's like, you, you know, Kanan and... 
you know, it does feel like he is he is Ezra. Like he has mm -hmm. for all his time had those connections with the past characters that we don't have on screen anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it just yeah. feels very real and it feels very honest. And I think, you know, what they've done with, with that character, especially because of that actor, is is really, 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 really good. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal. Now, Ahsoka, she's the title character for this show. And like the other Star Wars shows, I guess really in the Mandover side of things, the Boba Fett show and the three seasons of The Mandalorian, it isn't always specifically about the main character to a degree there are moments big big moments for the main character but i wouldn't say ahsoka is the the continuous through line that say obi-wan was or even andor was mm -hmm. in their their own shows or their title shows ahsoka very much plays the main character because she's the one we're following around but all the other characters get a lot of time to shine whether yeah. it is sabine whether it is even who yang into Thrawn and Ezra. There's a lot going on in this space. Hera gets a big part in this. So it very much felt like an ensemble. And Ahsoka is just our point of view to a degree. Were you cool with the fact that Ahsoka wasn't at the center of attention for the entirety of this and that in some episodes she took a back seat? And really when we get to the end here, she takes a little bit of a backseat to the likes of Sabine, Ezra, and Thrawn in really these last two episodes. She has her moments. Don't get me wrong. She is present in a big way. But I felt like the story pivoted a little bit after the World Between Worlds episodes and really started to focus on some of the other characters that they were introducing. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that it's a risky step for, for them to take, actually, because I know a lot of people often complain in shows where they kind of move away from the main character mm -hmm. uh, and they're, they're, especially when they're kind of beloved characters. Um, but I think they've they've made a good choice here. And I do, it you know, it doesn't bother me at all because it, for me, it does feel like a bit of a continuation of, yeah. of Rebels and things that we've seen before. And they've purposely used Ahsoka because, you know, she's such a beloved character. You know, so many people know know about this character. But I do think it's very important that they do give other characters their time to shine, especially because, you know, a lot of Star Wars fans have become very invested in people like Ezra and Sabine and, mm -hmm. and, um, and Thrawn and so on. So I do like that we do get away from them. And I do think they do spend a good amount of time still with Ahsoka in the way that yes. they show that she is essentially the main character and her story is possibly the most important or the mo has the most impact on the overall story in the end. You know, she's mm -hmm. the one who kind of ties most things together in the show. She ties the different characters together. She oh, yeah. Ties, you know, the, the Anakin stuff together, the World Between Worlds stuff together, the... Um, probably Mortis stuff that we will get later. And, and I think she's definitely key to all of those things working in the same mm -hmm. space. And I think that's how they're really using her. And I'm, I mean, Rosario Dawson, again, such a great casting that, I mean, that was a fan casting from, from, from the start and just seeing how she's changed and how her personality has changed from the start of the show to the mm -hmm. end you know that criticism that people had of her being kind of a bit too kind of cold and stoic and now she's very positive and she's this white um white uh jedi 
And yeah, like for me, I, I don't have any issues. We did spend one whole episode totally away from yeah. it. And that was a fantastic episode. And how this wraps up and how this ends should be slightly kind of down. You know, they didn't really win. But because of her character and how she's progressed and the stage that she's at now and how, you know, hopeful she is, which is a big thing in Star Wars, this idea of hope. I think, you know, it's really well done. Like it ends the show with us really caring about Ahsoka, caring about all these other characters. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, wanting to see especially her return because of the world that's around her and what this show's given us. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of I'm in the exact same way, and I think you really nailed it when you said that she's she's effectively the glue that holds all this together. In the absence of Ahsoka, the story doesn't work. The story doesn't progress the way it does. I don't think you can do all of this and tie everything together without her in this in a major way. And the ability to go back to things like Anakin and to tie up some of that, give Hayden Christensen some continue that redemption arc where he is now a beloved piece. You know, we were alive and we went through the times when he was not favored in the Star Wars atmosphere and the Star Wars fandom. Yeah. Like he had a tough go, I would say, in the years following, especially Attack of the Clones, but Revenge of the Sith and all that. Like he wasn't always beloved the way he is now. And to have him come back and do a redemption piece inside of Obi-Wan Kenobi, to do this major piece inside of Ahsoka where... We got him several times in that Clone Wars attire. We got him several times in his Revenge of the Sith, not quite a Sith attire. Like, there's so much there mm -hmm. that without Ahsoka, this doesn't happen. And so I was very, very much pleased with how they executed all this because you can really go one way or the other where we're spending way too much time with the lone Jedi that is Ahsoka and you're kind of just doing these missions like we saw in the early days of the Mandalorian, but they really were able to balance out the supporting cast and what became very much main characters to really connect you for these future shows or movies. You have to have this, emotional attachment to these characters and i think they're able to execute that just brilliantly through this where you want to see more you want to see all the stories of each one of these characters and that's something that i think like james gunn and a few others have really mastered yeah. in short amount of time where you just care about every single person on the screen yeah but it's it's difficult to do because you know realistically you had to be somewhat intimidated by thrawn you had to love ezra sabine Hu Yang, Ahsoka, you had to reconnect with Anakin. Like, there's a lot going on in this show. And I think yeah. they were able to pull it off. Just, I, I use the word masterfully, or I use the word masterfully a lot. But it, it's just, it's what how I see this. Like, it's almost like, you know, George Lucas is, is down there kind of moving pieces around from the early days of Star Wars. And so it's just so well done. Now, the last character that we're going to touch on here is Sabine. I would say, if I'm going to level one criticism at this show, mm -hmm. I would say she is probably the weakest link. Um, not a, not, not in like a, a way that is detrimental to the show, but I will say, and I, I liked her as she progressed a bit more, but I will say the actress, I think, would struggled a little bit in the early parts of the show, and she started coming to her own a bit more. I'd, I'd have to go back and, and watch Rebels and get a good feel for if this is... A, an accurate representation of what she was 
But I would say she is the character I struggled with the most throughout this. And now she goes into kind of the the Jedi, the Force, and all that, which I think is pretty cool that we're going to have several lightsaber-wielding individuals with Force powers. But do you see her as being, if you're going to level criticism at this, are you kind of with me there? Or or do you got some different light you want to shed on this? Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I can see where you're coming from. For me, it's a bit difficult because, you know, I like my Asian ladies. So she's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she's, she's up there on, on my list. But I, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. I think the problem with Sabine is she's quite a unique character and she was in Rebels. And I think even in Rebels, you had people who really liked her. But then there were some people mm-hmm. who didn't necessarily connect with her because she's quite kind of quirky. You know, she's a kind of pink Mandalorian she does like graffiti and she's quite rebellious and i do think like in the show where it started at, at first you she wasn't necessarily super likable mainly mm-hmm. because of some of the things that she was doing and the kind of a- attitude that she had um but i kind of started to understand that and you know understand that she, she you know she'd lost her whole family um she'd lost all of her friends you know, her, her master kind of abandoned her. So I do like how her story has progressed in this to a point where I didn't think that they would actually make her super force sensitive. Like mm. I thought it was Jeez. a case of her <laughs> having a bit of skill like she did in Rebels. But then with this last episode, it's like, you know, there's that whole flip and she's like, whoa, now she's like smashing blasters with the lightsaber and she's, picking up lightsabers like like you know the big force jump thing the force jump push (laughs) man like i absolutely loved it like those are probably the moments where i was doing the most kind of Mm -hmm. air punching man because you know you'd seen her fail so much through the show um and i wanted to really like her because they do make you question her actions because of the stuff that she did um and Ahsoka, you know, just seeing Ahsoka actually accepts her decisions and, and realize why she made those decisions and actually, in the end, almost agreeing with the decisions that she made. So, yeah, for me, she, I, I mean, I, I really liked her. I can, actually, I can see maybe, based on the main character casting, she's probably the weakest out of uh, the lot of mm-hmm. them. Um, but she, there's, there's no issues there for me. And I do find her quite, again, a fun character to watch. Um, I think her interactions with people on the show feels very natural as well. Um, and I do think she's quite a good representation of of Ahsoka from from Rebels. I do feel like she has that, that transition. You know, you can make those connections based on the way that she acts being quite rebellious um, mm-hmm. and, and the way that she also talks with, with the certain characters. She has that kind of closeness, but she also is a little kind of standoffish at times. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that she's the only one I didn't like finger snap and be like, yep, that is the character directly from Rebels. It just felt a little different for me. But like I said, I did. It's not that I disliked it or I felt this detrimental to the show. It was just something like if if I was to level one slight criticism, but she was realistically, she was one flashback, major flashback away from being the main character of the show. Like if they dove a little bit deeper into her history and her family and all that like if she had one episode just on her her and ahsoka would have been really you know lightsaber dueling over 
who is actually the main character of this because I, I don't know go into the future I would not be surprised if she becomes the main focal point of the movie like if she's the audience's gateway in yeah. I'm always looking at the character that's the gateway well, think- in it has to be it has to, it is purposeful i think because the thing is they mm. did reference they talked about mandalorian this um, yeah and her the, the purge on mandalorian you have that connection there she's a, now basically a force wielding um mandalorian mm. and we do know at the same time or you know has just passed there's been the whole stuff on mandalorian and and uh bo and mm. um and mando taking you know Oh, I totally forgot about all that stuff that's going to happen. That's so she's got to she's got to return, and she knows Bo-Katan. Like, I mean, they've had their interactions. I mean, she mm-hmm. gave the the um, dark saber to Bo-Katan in the past, so she has those ties there. Um, so again, Filoni being the master, he is he's clearly setting up something, and it's all coming together. You know, it feels like old MCU, man. It's all going in a certain direction. It's all connecting. You have all these references, and then you're gonna have his movie or movies, and it's gonna be boom. Well, we're gonna get all these characters, all these shows together, and they're really just touching on little things just here and there. You know, they're not making it obvious. Um, they're making it so we can connect those dots, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's a really, really good way to do it. Oh man, you just got me. Like this feels like late phase two MCU stuff going on right now, where this is the show that's finally like pulling some of it together. Like with the references to Thrawn and Mando season two and Ahsoka popping up there, you know, them popping up in season one of Book of Boba Fett and all these little threads starting to come together. It feels like late phase two where every time, oh yes, oh this and Oh man, you just got me super stoked! Just like, yeah, well, I think like with I'm craving like, that book, book of Baba. I think they were they were kind of they were kind of feeding that in, and I think people mm-hmm. thought you know they're bringing Boba Fett back for something bigger, and it's all gonna come together. And I think with this show, they've actually done it a lot better. You know, I think mm-hmm. you know they've really kind of grasped how to do it well and how to bring all these characters in and not kind of just force them in just because, you know, they're, they're there. Uh, they're making all of these stories kind of meaningful and making everything make mm-hmm. sense and, and go in a certain direction uh, while also having side stories and side arcs going on. And I think, yeah, man, like I'm really, really excited for the future of Star Wars now because we're going to get some absolutely fantastic stuff like... Mm-hmm. Give me Ahsoka season two now. That's the one I want. Like I'm not even thinking about Mando anymore. <laughs> it's like, that's me neither, crazy. man. So it's great. To see that. <laughs> Give me Ahsoka. Give me more Ahsoka. Well, let's talk about very briefly here before we jump into Loki. Before we end this episode off here, let's talk about the future of of Star Wars in this this storyline. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of things happen at the end of this episode that are our big teases, our after credit scenes, if you will. One of them being. The cargo. What is the cargo that Thrawn was so adamant gets loaded and that they really focused on at the end of his last scene there? Like, what is that? Like, at first I thought, is it bodies? Is it an army? Like, what is it? Is it weapons that he's brought from? Like, 
what are your thoughts on what this could be? Because that was like a very subtle thing through all this. No, we, they could, they mentioned it in a couple episodes. Oh, we're, we're almost done loading. We have to be done loading. The distraction worked. And then there's a big, long focus on this huge cargo space full of, I don't know what they are. Are they like, are they missiles? Are they body? Like what is going on here? Yeah, I'm actually surprised they didn't actually touch on that. It was, that's another risky move. I think some people are gonna kind of they're gonna get a bit of stick for that. Um, it's a weapon. It's got to be a weapon, right? Right. I think it's bodies. Like I think bodies. just the shape of the coffins, mm. whether they were there before and they've been stored there all this time, or whether those coffins were on the Chimera, the star, the Star Destroyer. I don't really mm. know. Like. Are they ancient beings? You know, does it have any relation to the video game, the Fallen Order? They've touched on this whole Zepho. There's a, in that in that there's like an alien, uh, ancient race, and they have, were very strong in the Force, and they were very mm. balanced. And then they went dark, and they kind of their civilization got destroyed, and they they kind of went went out into the universe to find a new world. And we've seen certain references to that in this with like some of the architecture and some of the statues and some of the the symbols and stuff so i don't know if they're touching on that i don't know i've heard some people saying it's the like you know the night sisters um bodies like old night sisters and it's like they're gonna resurrect a night sister army you know are they the dathomirians like you know are we gonna mm. get a bunch of darth maul looking characters you know, are they, we got, are they? We got zombie stormtroopers. So, well, that's why I'm not really good at predicting these things because I actually thought all the stormtroopers were zombies from the start, and I was kind of adamant that that was the case. But you know, it wasn't, and then I was like a little disappointed. And then they gave us the zombie stormtroopers, and I was like, "Yahoo!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did actually get some. So yeah, I don't. But it, I think that'd be kind of pretty far fetched if that was a whole army that they're gonna resurrect. But mm -hmm. we did see, was it in Clone Wars, the resurrected Night Sisters, the kind of zombie Night Sisters? Um, but they look like zombies, and that's the thing. Like in those coffins, are they preserved bodies? You know, are they people in kind of cryo sleep, or uh, or is it something else? Uh, is it artifacts? Because we also know from games and yeah. from books and stuff that the Emperor sends people out to go and get these ancient artifacts, and some of them have of certain power. Um, so you know are, are they ancient artifacts related to the force or something i don't know so yeah it's but that's that's a great that's another great thing with this show just the fact that they make all those kind of little connections like when um morgan gets the the sword mother tells tells sword and that was just from like yeah. one episode of was that was that that was clone wars you know she she used that the mother tells the 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 night sister she used that to fight mace windu and so mm -hmm. she gets that kind of sword and he's like whoa and then you have what's his name balan like i was really surprised not to see much balan in this just because yeah everybody loves that character um and i didn't catch it at first like he's on those big statues and it's statues pointing out and i'm like what are those statues who's that and then after uh, it clicked it's like they're the the mortis gods you know, oh yeah 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 so he's on the father the mortis father mm -hmm. and then to the right i think it's the the sister 
I'll have to check. I'll have to look at, go back and watch. I think it's the sister, not the the brother, the the daughter, not the the son. But he's kind of pointing out this light on the man. And I'm like, oh, is he going to Mortis? And that will maybe he is looking for the world between worlds. And yeah, man, uh, like, like there's there's so much there. Unfortunately, that actor passed away. Yeah, I think that's that's a massive loss. I don't yeah. know. He was great. Yeah, he is absolutely amazing. What a great character he is, and um yeah like i i don't know what they're gonna do with that because they'll have to recast him mm. you know i think people thought he would probably die by the end of the the show and he's actually quite a important character in the end because he's there with ahsoka and and sabine mm. um, and yeah and his apprentice there too like that that's so that's that's really an interesting place where they left us off because there's there's a part of me in this episode where i was like i don't know if ahsoka is going to survive this like i was actually sitting there thinking is it possible that they kill ahsoka in some sort of like sacrificial way where it's her time to move on into the force into the world between worlds and allow sabine and ezra to to really champion the forward progression of what will be the inevitable battle with thrawn mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god like is she gonna die in this but they kind of do this weird switch where Ezra goes home, meets yeah. up with Chop and Hera, and Sabine and Ahsoka get stuck on in this other galaxy. Like it was kind of a weird way, which it's interesting because whether it's the movie or season two, they eventually have to get them presumably back off that. So they have to revisit all of this. And so there's a whole piece of a story that needs to be told about getting them back to a galaxy far far away to progress the story a bit more meaningfully in the space of thrawn and ezra and hera and what's going on with the republic or the new republic so it's kind of a weird way to end your story especially if this i don't know if this is jumping straight to the film because it's gonna feel like one of those things like oh we got ahsoka and sabine back let's go into the movie <laughs> yeah well they haven't announced that's that's interesting because i never th- actually thought of her dying but they haven't announced the second season yet and it would have actually made sense if she did had died and that was her show and she died in like a mm-hmm. big grand epic way and then the other characters were the characters who took the show forward um but yeah i think it's 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 quite good though like it's quite clever in the way that they do end it because they do especially for fans and this is why it's going to be interesting to see how other people uh take this this finale because i think for people who know the show because she sees mariah the, the owl which is the mm-hmm. the uh, mortis daughter was it yeah oh god man i have to go back and watch those but like that's another connection to that that world between worlds and the mortis Mm -hmm. and you know that you can go in there and they have the portals and they can they get back and the um so i think that's gonna bring ahsoka's story and she seems very positive at the Mm -hmm. end so it's as if she knows she's supposed to be there and she knows something is there maybe um so yeah, that's I, I like that, and it's also interesting whole... for for me with the just seeing Anakin there at the end because that's another mm-hmm. thing that I don't really understand, and I'd like to learn a lot more about the Force because in the past they've talked about you know the Force being there being this well at the center of the galaxy that provides the Force and within the, within the galaxy, and we kind of you kind of question well does the Force exist in other galaxies and it it clearly does, and mm-hmm. now we do actually have a Force 
a force Anakin, a force ghost Anakin. So that's going to be really interesting too, just having him him around an actual real because we didn't know if the one in the world of between worlds who that was and we didn't know yeah and we the other one was just a projection but now we do know that there is a force ghost anakin like just pretty cool and we look what you know what they've done in previous films with force ghosts and how interactive they can be and so that yeah. leaves a lot of potential there and yeah like i i thought the end was i thought it was quite intriguing like the whole second season could take place on this in this other galaxy and you know what i mean like it, they yeah. it's it's got to take a couple episodes i think there has to be another season or they rip a couple episodes out of mando season four or whatever's coming next and do that because you can't start a movie you can't start a movie like this like you can't start a movie with the characters being so far apart like yes they did it in endgame and they've done it in lots of things but to get to I think the important bits of what this movie is going to be, unless it's a trilogy, unless it's two movies, they really have to have all the pieces in place as that, in my opinion, at least as that movie starts, you can't spend the first 45 minutes of the movie getting Ahsoka and seen as to being back into a galaxy far, far away only to have them fight Thrawn, defeat Thrawn. If it's one movie, you know what I mean? Like there's just too much story. Uh, it'd be impossible. Cause you think like a movie would only be two or three episodes of this show. Yeah. Like yeah. you've got to, you, you, you couldn't start a movie trying to explain where Balin's going yeah. and what happens to him and what <laughs> Shin so Hattie, how yeah. happens with Shin Hattie and how Hera responds to Ezra coming back. And mm. yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just not possible. Like it's, no. I mean, it'd be strange if there isn't a second season already green lit, even though. It well, and it might announced. have been because of the strike that they couldn't, they didn't want to announce anything. They didn't want to promise anything. Oh, and yes. now that maybe they're on the other side of it or getting close to being on their side of it, especially with the writing side, um, maybe they'll announce something. Because I don't know how this is being received like if it's getting good numbers or like, I guess it really depends on what source you look at for at least the first couple, but surely this is a major linchpin, a keystone, if you will, of, of star Wars moving forward. And so I would think that they have this all planned out to a degree. Like there's a story being told here. And I think this is really like, we're, we're, we're there Ian, man. This is, you know, we've been wanting this MCU esque, it's all connected piece in star Wars. And it, it feels like we're, we're right there. We're on the cusp of the next big thing. And yeah. I'm super stoked for it, man. I'm so excited about Ahsoka and the future of star Wars. I haven't been this excited in a long time for what's next for, for star Wars. Like I'm, I'm oh, man feels so great. It does. It does indeed, man. feels absolutely fantastic. Yes. And yeah, like, so, it'd be interesting to see how they, they progress with this. You know, are they going to stick with the Disney plus stuff? Is that, you know financially a good a good way to do things for them or are they now they're getting that hype back maybe they're going to start throwing stuff onto the big screen mm -hmm. again so you know they know they're going to get their, those those numbers because these shows can't be cheap man like that ahsoka show looks the super expensive <laughs> it, man like the cg in that show is insane like it's flawed. Uh, it's like it's, it's, it's it looks yeah. so good it's so just, it's, good it's better than most movies like there's no yes. there was not there was scenes actually in this final episode with the spaceships and stuff and um i'm like man like how much did they spend on this this is insane well, like it looks well that's incredible. the crazy part about the disney plus stuff is like 
the expectation now is just movie quality TV shows every week. Like there's no, oh, it's TV, it's fine. Or little bottle episodes where, you know, they spend most of it on a ship and they're only doing interiors. Like every single one of these episodes had like a massive lightsaber battle, big scape, like big wide landscapes. You had, you're in stars, you had CGI whales, you had the makeup, everything was mm. on point, like through and through the score, the swells of it. Oh man, it was uh, absolutely unbelievable. And you know what, man? What this leads directly into, not in the Star Wars space, is our next show here. And we're only going to touch on this briefly because it does come out on Thursday. We'll be talking about it here in a couple of weeks. But is Loki season two? We got our first kind of critical responses to this, and it seems to be overwhelmingly positive as to what Hiddleston is doing again with Loki. Someone pointed out, I saw it on a tweet or whatever, he is into his second decade playing this character. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely wild. And the fact that he's able to still pull something new, different and relevant out of this character to make you intrigued enough to go back and engage enough to stay there is unbelievable. I'm again, I've, I've really felt a spark in my personal fandom, both in collecting in star Wars. And then now the MCU with the return of Loki, I'm just very, very happy in the nerd space right now. And I can't wait for Thursday. Like, how are you feeling, man? You got Loki. Coming up here, this is a big one. This is one we've been waiting for for quite a few years. Yeah, yeah. I get, like Loki, you know, of course, like you, I'm a big M- MCU guy, but like Loki's still my favorite of the um, the TV, sh- the, the MCU mm-hmm. shows. Uh, first season of Loki is just fantastic. It was, again, it was almost perfect. Like I think that the penultimate episode of that show is one yes. of my favorite tv show episodes of all time like i absolutely mm-hmm. love that episode um and just hearing the buzz coming from loki like he's you know tom hiddleston he's again such a, a kind of watchable uh actor and the way he plays loki is is fantastic um the fact that he's been doing this for so long it kind of goes back to like what you're talking about with thrawn you know he's not the kind of big vi- he was in the big villain he wasn't that kind of end game villain um but he was such an interesting villain uh, and such mm-hmm. an interesting character. And he's another one that they spent a lot of time developing him and his relationships and him going from like bad to good. And we've become so invested in this character now. It's mm-hmm. going to be really interesting to see. You know, I don't care so much about how it kind of connects to everything else, uh, especially with the whole Kang stuff, because I'm not sure where that stands at the moment and, and whether people are feeling that. I'm just really invested in Loki and Sylvie. Yeah, and um, uh, what's his name? Owen Wilson's character, because they were just such a pleasure to watch the first time. And there's been so much positivity coming from from people who've actually seen the first episode or even the first first season. You know, I heard someone. There was like someone, like a reviewer, saying that the fourth there's a cliffhanger in the fourth episode, which is one of the best cliffhangers really in a movie ever of all time like it's and like it's one of the best cliffhangers they've ever seen Whoa. in the mcu at the end of the fourth episode so yeah man like i'm just the, the trailers and how good it looks uh yeah man super excited for this i i can't 
it's I'm probably as excited for this as I was for for Ahsoka when that was first announced. Yeah, like, yeah. we're on a we're on a wild run right now, and I think this is the one that's going to get my wife back into the MCU. This is Loki season one was the last mcu show she's watched with me actually i think mcu property that she's experienced with me she's not really jumped back in after loki season one now she did have a hard time with the last episode of loki because she said i'm completely lost i don't know who any of this is i don't know what is happening she was like am i supposed to know who jonathan majors is or i don't know even know if i to say his name but are we supposed to know who kang is or he who remains and so i was trying to explain it to her so she was invested in the Loki Sylvie story. She didn't care too, too much for that last episode, but the first five episodes she was stoked about, and she's going to be pumped to get back into this character and continue that story. And like for her, this is literally just like nothing else has happened. So she's going to yeah. jump straight back into it. And Loki or Tom Hiddleston started playing this character in 2000. Well, he first debuted in 2011, started playing this character in 2010 late 2009 when they kind of casted him. So like he's been attached to this character for like 15 years and I couldn't even tell you how many times he's played him, but it is so awesome that we get to continue his story. And I think I want this to be the one I know you said you don't care about the connectivity and all this, but I want this to be the one that starts to pull a little bit of this stuff together because I'm feeling a bit like the, the fact that I'm, I'm, feeling good about fandoms again and all that. I want this to feel like it's finally starting to pull all these threads together in a meaningful way in a way that's going to be acknowledged outside of this show. Like that was my, that's been my, my big issue with Loki season one. It was so good. It did so much for the universe, but I don't even know if it was really referenced up until the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumanium when we got what is just a, a scene from Loki season two as the end credit scene. So, mm. I want this to be good, but I also want it to mean something again. I yeah. want it to be impactful for the universe. And so that's probably like my biggest ask, my biggest hope for what this is. But ultimately, as long as it's a good Loki, Sylvie, kind of quirky time travel show, I think we're we're, we're going to get a big W out of this. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I can definitely see that. I think, you know, it could be like an Ahsoka in a way that it's going to get people, bring people back into the, the franchise and get excited for the future. Mm-hmm. And I, I do actually hope it does do that. Um, it does open some things for us to start thinking about where's this going to go and what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how, if if that's their intention, uh, because of just how the other the films and the other stuff's been sitting recently. Um, but I do, I do hope it does that. I do hope it does bring people back. I know I, it's funny you say that about your your wife because I mentioned to my wife like Loki's coming back this week and she was really into the MCU stuff back then. But she's her first answer was like I didn't really understand the first season, <laughs> so so I think she really enjoyed it up to that again that kind of end part and it was a little yeah. kind of confusing. So again, yeah. that that could be a good thing, you know, it brings people back and kind of explains. Uh, and continues that story so people understand it a little bit more um Mm -hmm. and i think they probably do understand that the kind of charm of the first season were the characters and that's what people like the most so i do think there'll be a lot of focus on that i know that uh kei kwan's character people said Mm -hmm. he's the kind of mvp of this show Um, awesome so you know that would be another good thing having a new character like him and being someone who is very, very likable. You know, everybody loves this actor. 
he could be someone who also brings a lot of people to the show and back yeah. back into the MCU. Yeah, great character actors, Kwan and Owen Wilson, like a guy that when he was first cast, like, eh, okay, sure, whatever. But he, he immediately became just a great counterpart to Tom Hiddleston's Loki and the banter they have, the good cop, bad cop type stuff. It's great. And I think that is a huge draw as well, is that the ability to go in there and enjoy and care and get invested in these characters, which is which is super important for, for these shows, especially how they come out and the expectation of a lot of them. And so I think I think Loki's there, man. I think we are going to have one of the best weeks for Disney Plus releases in the history. Like this, we're coming up here on like four years since it came out. Yeah, four years since it came out within the next month or so. Wow. I just look when I, I get done with a bill once a year <laughs> for, for Disney Plus. And it really does look like that we are uh, we're there, man. We're we're at the uh, the pinnacle of Disney Plus and its delivery, and I'm super pumped that we got to sit and talk about this, man. It's always fun getting breaking stuff down and uh, getting the the hype train going for for Loki and for the future of Star Wars. So, man, it's it's been an absolute riot blasting through some of this stuff, and I'm looking forward to hearing some other people's commentary around this. So. If you would like to provide just a little bit of insight on Ahsoka or Loki, and we'll be talking about Loki in a couple weeks here, you can always email us at nerdum at gmail.com, and you can find us on X, I guess. That's what we're calling it now. It, it's it's there. So, guys, it's it's been a blast. Ian, man, always a pleasure. You got to get off to work. You got to go make some man, money and pay for all them yeah. hot toys. I've got to get to work now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I enjoy the future. Enjoy Loki in a couple days. I can't wait to break it down with you, man. But I guess with uh, with all of that being said, for the nerd room, I'm Tim. And I'm Ian. And thank you guys so much for entering the nerd room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim and Carlos on Twitter at the NerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.